You're listening to The Love Yeg Show. If our city could talk, these are the stories it would tell about the people, places, and passion in Edmonton. We interview difference makers in our community. Please welcome your hosts, Sherry Beauchamp and Jesse McCracken. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Love Yeg Show. I am Sherry Beauchamp and I'm here with my co-host, Jesse McCracken. Hello everybody. And today we have a very special guest, Desiree Conception from Yes. Hi, yes, thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for being here. We were just commenting how much we loved your name. It's very memorable (laughs) and awesome. Desiree Conception. Do you want to let people in on sort of what you're doing at YES and what YES is, if they've never heard of it before? Absolutely. Um, So I've been with YES for about maybe six to seven months now. I know all the days seem a bit fuzzy ever since COVID happened, but I'm one of the senior development officers with YES and I'm on the fund development team. So what I do is I work with community members looking to fundraise. So for those who don't know who YES is, um, we're known as Youth Empowerment and Support Services. We've been around for almost 40 years now, since 1981. And we originally started because there was a group of Edmontonians looking to support youth in our community who weren't previously supported um, and through other channels. So it's a really great community initiative that was started. Originally, it was more of a overnight shelter, just supportive um, supportive housing in that sense. But in 2012, we did rebrand. And because we recognize that there were far more than just an overnight shelter. So that's where we've changed our name. So it was previously with, yes, it was uh, Youth Emergency Shelter Society. Mm. But so now we are Youth Empowerment and Support Services. So... Some of the programs that we offer for our youth uh, between ages 15 to 24 are our overnight shelter, Nexus, and that's located on White Ave. And that's oftentimes the first point of contact for our youth to enter our programs. And then we have our daytime resource center, which is the Armory. That's right near Strathcona Farmer's Market. And then we also have two supportive housing. So we have Graham's Place, which is located right on White Ave. And then we also have Shanoa's place, which is um, in the West End. Wow. I always wondered what that armory had turned into. And I've driven past it, but I don't, yeah, I don't know how I missed the sign, but that's awesome. It's a beautiful building too. Yeah, it's an old building. Historical building. So essentially the programs that we offer for our youth, we basically feed, clothe, and provide a safe place for them in order to be integrated back into the community. Wow. So how did it, I mean, obviously the need was there in order to evolve uh, evolve from just the shelter to then, um, you know, helping them learn and grow and and become, you know, adults. Yeah, empowered adults, totally, or or youth. So how did the evolution kind of take place? So I think what happened was, especially with COVID, is that we've had to adjust everything. So our main priority is providing a safe place for our youth, but... One thing to note is that with the closure of all indoor and, and outdoor public spaces because of COVID, we have been designated as an essential service to ensure we stay open because 
the youth who are coming through our doors, the challenges they face include um, health challenges, housing and access to food. So it's very important for us to continue to be able to support them. Uh, among, among the changes include how we accept donations. So we have had to adjust to closing our doors for public in-kind donations. So that includes uh, receiving donations through clothing or goods, just because we wanna ensure we limit cross-contamination. So we have um, been working with our community partners to obtain new items. And then that way to ensure our youth are still, um, the safety is in place for them. And then we've also had to adjust our staff. So those who were able to work from home have been able to, like myself, but then our frontline staff are still directly working with our youth. We have increased um, health and safety protocols and procedures. So we're more rigorous with our um, sanitation. We've had an increase with PPE. There's been lots of adjustments, but it's been great, especially because our staff and our youth have been so resilient and to the changes and we're continuing to pay forward and ensuring that they can still focus on their goals. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I've said this before, but you know, like watching all, all of the charities and all this, the, you know, the essential services sort of have to like pivot and evolve and figure out, you know, what this looks like for them. And the fact that you guys, it sounds, it sounds like you guys are obviously doing it and living it and, and still able to provide that essential service. So that's su like super admirable for sure. Thank you. I know it just it escalated very quickly with the COVID totally. announcement and then having to pivot and constantly pivot every day. We have incredible staff to have been able to ensure that we can still support the youth, especially when it first announced we were actually getting ready for our gala that was supposed to be in person and that was going to be mid-April. But with the announcement, we really had to pivot incredibly to actually transfer everything to be an online raffle. But we still did great. Still were able to raise um, just over 82000 So wow. um, still great support. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. So That's really how cool. many youth on average do you guys um, work with in a, in a month? Um, I know we, we support about 30 to 40 youth a day. So I'm not sure with the wow. math there. Yeah. No, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so you, do there, is there some youth that have kind of like a standing um, like bed in, in the shelter or is it a first come first serve type situation? So with our overnight shelter, it is first come first serve, but we do see some youth who are, who, who do utilize our services more frequently. And then that's when our youth worker are able to build those relationships, have intentional conversations to see what their goals are. And if they do need that place for them to sleep overnight more consecutively, then we will actually reserve it for them, especially once we identify what their goals are. Some of them are, you know, working or trying to finish school or anything like that. So um, based on our hours, we've actually adjusted to a 24 hour model. Just because, wow. especially with the closure of a lot of places, we want to ensure that there is a safe place for them to come to. So our overnight shelter and our daytime resource center um, between those locations, it's now 24 hours. Um, in the past, it was kind of uh, when you wake up, you kind of go out throughout your day and then you come back in the evening? Yes, yeah. So I know okay. um, in the past, so usually our doors would open at 9 p.m. 
first come first mm -hmm. serve and we would provide a hot dinner for our youth and then the youth can actually access um, our donation room because oftentimes when they're coming through our doors all they have are the clothes on their back so we want to ensure that we can provide them with the necessities that they need so um, if it's any hygiene products or additional clothing then they have access to that but we also have a youth worker who will also uh, launder their clothes overnight so that way it's just great it's you know fresh clothes in the fresh. morning yeah yeah amazing how, how would somebody find out about you is it just through other youth on the street typically or um like yeah i guess how how do has the word gotten out and how do people find you we've been so fortunate that we have such a great community support so oftentimes it is word of mouth so youth hear it from other youth and even there are youth who are also going to school so oftentimes they'll hear it through some of the school fundraisers that support, yes. And then we're also um, in partnership with other organizations like mm -hmm. um, Mustard Seed and iHuman. So oftentimes when they're interacting with other um, resources, then they also hear about us. Nice. So what brought you into, uh, into your role? I actually just stumbled into fundraising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my background is working in the hospitality sector, uh, working in hotels. And just about three years ago, I had an opportunity to work for um, another um, non-for-profit organization. Had a great experience to be able to give back. Um, it was more of a provincial role. And, but I've been in Edmonton for about seven, eight years now from Ontario. So it's been really meaningful to be able to support the youth here in this community. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. We've, we've done some stuff with some of the some youth in our city as well. And, you know, I think that more importantly than anything, they just want to be seen and heard and listened to and feel valued. And so I think that's something that we all just need to be more mindful of, you know, is that like, when you look at, like you said, your youth are, you know, some of them don't have a place to live, but they're trying to finish their education, they're working, they're doing everything they can. And I think it's just a reminder for all of us that like to, to pay attention and acknowledge as opposed to dismiss just because of some assumptions that we may have. Oh, absolutely. Um, all the youth who are coming through our doors, they have various different backgrounds, different challenges they have to face. Um, and 100% of the youth are experiencing some sort of trauma. And oftentimes they don't have a support system to go to, to overcome that trauma or to allow them to heal. And oftentimes they don't have a support system to tr uh, who they can trust in order to develop and really uh, move forward on their journey. So it's been, it's been great to know that we've been around in this community for so long and will continue to be a part of this community just so they have a place where they can turn to because mm -hmm. oftentimes they just want that consistency of people who they can um, rely on. And that's what's so important for us is that we want to be a part of their transformation and be alongside them on their journey, no matter where they're at in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you talk, can you talk about that a little bit about how you guys support them and what those programs are about and you know, the benefits of them having access to that? Absolutely. So the youth who are coming through our door, especially the first point of contact in our overnight shelter Nexus, they will be paired up with a youth worker, have intentional conversations on what their goals are, what they're looking for, and will help every step of the way in 
for our youth to achieve that goal. I know at the daytime resource center, we have a few programs. So we have a transitional workers, we have employment workers who can help them every step of the way. And our focus is that we provide low barrier support. So if a barrier is that they need transportation to get to the workplace or to school, well then we'll provide bus tickets. If another barrier is that they don't have food or clothes, again, we want to ensure that we we provide that support for them. And again, I know I mentioned sometimes they, they have difficulty trusting other adults or anyone in their life. So what's so great at the Armory is that we do have um, medical care on site. So we have a nurse practitioner and we have a doctor. So if they do have any medical needs, then there's um, a point of contact where they, re where they can go to. And because oftentimes our youth, they don't feel comfortable just to go into a walk-in clinic with people they don't know. So if they can come to the armory with people they trust and have built relationships with, then we will be there for them. Um, and then as well, if they need any medications, then yes, we'll also cover that for them. Hmm. Hmm. And then we also have a big program that we enforce is the tra trauma-informed care. We actually launched that last year where we have a designated group of people who will help our youth overcome their trauma because that's what's so important because right now the youth who are coming through our doors, they're in survival mode. They, they're trying to figure out their life and figure out how to overcome that trauma. So if we can provide a safe place for them to heal and um, help with the resiliency and build strength, then that's the next step in being integrated into their own, their own journey. Another program we also have, which we launched in October of last year, is Youth Education and Employment Program. And it's an exciting new program where youth can sign up for this 12-week program. For the first four weeks, they actually get in-class training. So our employment coordinator will help them with resume building, maybe potentially getting their ProServe, WMIS, health and safety, any kind of certification they need to be equipped uh, for the workplace, then that's for a week um, training will include. And then after that, it's eight weeks of on the job practicum. So we're so fortunate to have uh, really great uh, community partners who can actually have more entry level positions available for our youth. And then that way it's the next step. So it's, it's really just good it's really great to have that first line of contact for them to obtain a job. Oftentimes it's, it's hard to get your, their foot in the door. So if they can get their foot in the door through us, that's, it's incredible. That Definitely. is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. So we're actually uh, finishing up group three right now. So every, every group is a max of 16 youth. So we don't overwhelm our community partners with um, all the youth who are working for them, but it's, it's great. And then after the 12 weeks, we do offer a graduation because it's a lot of work, what they're doing to accomplish this. So it's important that we celebrate their accomplishment. Oh, that's really nice. So how many staff do you guys have and how many volunteers do you have at yet? I know for staff, that's fundraising side as well as directly working with the youth. I think it's just over 70 staff all right here in Edmonton. Wow. Yeah, it's great. And then 
for volunteers, I think it's just over 300 volunteers. So it's amazing the community support we continue to receive, especially because the volunteer work that could, I know in the past we've had our own, um, we've had our own events that we've hosted, like the gal and the golf tournament. Um, so I know that's going to look a little bit different now this year, but we have limited the amount of people who can come to our facilities, but we still have great community support. We try to limit up to 10 people for volunteer work on site because that could include some grounds work, some maintenance, anything like that, especially support with our supportive housing, just to make it more, more cozy and home-like. Definitely. So you guys are, you mentioned you're on the West End as well, or is that just for the, the shelter piece? Uh, just one of our supportive housing is in the West End. Got it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, you'd never know it was a supportive housing. It's actually a very large house that was gifted to us from Stuart Olson. So they wow. built and gifted to us. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So the supportive housing is for youth that, let's say, are just like taking, making the transition into getting out of, I guess, maybe explain that. Sorry. Yeah, I don't want to so, assume. <laughs> so our supportive housing are for those youth who are looking to, it'll be the, the next step to living independently mm -hmm. because we do provide groceries and then we have a kitchen available for them. So our youth worker will encourage our youth to, you know, make meals for themselves, but also help them with their homework or anything mm -hmm. that they would need. And then oftentimes the point of contact and our interactions don't just stop at the supportive housing. Yeah. We also offer support should the youth live on their own independently, if they need help, maybe furnishing their apartment or perhaps they need help with their groceries. Our staff will, especially with our kitchen staff, will continue to still provide that for them just mm -hmm. because we want to ensure that they, they don't feel like we just cut off our relationship after, after they um, completed accessing our services. We want to continue to maintain that relationship with them. Yeah, no, I just wasn't sure if they had paid like maybe rent to be there or something like that. But then that would be the next step is them getting their own place and paying rent, but they could still come and use the services so that they're not overly, totally overwhelmed because it gets overwhelming with all of those things. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I know those youth who are living independently and are paying rent, should they want to be a part of our youth and youth education and employment program, because we are focusing on low barriers, during that 12 weeks, we actually will help cover their rent for the 12 wow. weeks. Because again, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to take in to have to focus on work, um, like their schooling for their in-class training, and then also to cover rent. So if we can help them with what we can, then absolutely that way it's just um, steps to success for them. Yeah, nice. It's There's a lot, so many different support levels, which I love, yes. you know? Totally. Yeah. Like you're setting them up for success every step of the way, right? Yeah, so it's amazing. That is very cool. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, I want to impact our youth in our city. I want to get involved with this. I want to do something. Where's the best place to start? They can definitely check out our website for more information. I know with COVID, 
there's we've been limited to outdoor uh, fundraising, but there's still online fundraising that's available. Uh, if you're looking to do a virtual walk, a run, or even a bottle drive, that all can be done online as well. And then if perhaps if they're looking to be a monthly donor, that's always an option too. I know with it actually costs about $7,000 to support one youth to access our programs for one year. So becoming a monthly donor really makes a big difference. Or if, you, if, like, if they like to support, they can always be a volunteer as well. So there's so many different avenues uh, to support our youth. I did the math on the 30 to 40 per day is roughly 900 to 1200 youth a month that you guys are supporting, which would be like on an annual basis, that would be roughly over 100, 110, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like just insane. It's amazing. And it all varies too, because I know, so our overnight shelter, we have, um, we have a cap of 24 beds and mm. then our daytime resource center, it depends because most of our youth, when they're accessing their programs, they might just access one program or they access all of them interchangeably. So it really, it's based on their needs. Got it. That's amazing. And also heartbreaking that a 14 year old would need all of that support, right? Oftentimes it's just all different circumstances that our youth are going through. So it's, there really isn't, it's, it's difficult to say what a success story would look like for each youth because a success story could be for them to overcome their addiction or perhaps finishing school or maybe reconnecting with family. Um, there isn't a cookie cutter solution to finding out what the best way is. That's why it's so important for us to focus on individualized care for each of our youth. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Have you guys found that since COVID that the need has increased or are you seeing less people in there just because of all of the restrictions that the, you know, that are happening right now? So we haven't limited the amount of youth who can come access our programs, but um, it, it's, it stayed fairly consistent. The only thing that we've adjusted is our social distancing protocols. So yeah. we have ensured chairs, um, eating areas have just been separated. There's more space. Um, and we also have additional uh, PPE readily available for them. And then just to stay proactive, we also have designated an area to be a quarantine section uh, just to ensure we can monitor um, our youth should they have any symptoms. Hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things, hey, the, you do what you got to do. And it sounds like you guys are doing an incredible job with what you're, what you're accomplishing even through, through all of that. So um, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really amazing. So you mentioned you are personally from Ontario and you moved here like six or seven years ago. Do you notice any differences or what kind of made you stay here? What do you love about the city? Kind of that kind of what's your experience been like as an Albertan versus, you know, coming from East? Yeah, well, I know when I first moved out West, I didn't know what to expect. My first point of contact was actually Fort McMurray. That was where I first moved to from Ontario. Um, <laughs> so that was an experience, but I was fortunate enough to uh, move to Edmonton and it's been a really great journey. I really like Edmonton because Coming from a small town in Ontario, I feel Edmonton has almost small town vibes without the big city attitude of Toronto. <laughs> so I've really enjoyed it. And Edmonton is just constantly growing. And it's exciting to be a part of that 
Um, and I've had really great opportunities to connect uh, with really incredible people here, so. Sherry and I are both from a small town as well. And that's like the one thing that I lived in Ontario for five years. And I'm like, Edmonton is just, it's got the small town feel, you know, yeah. people, when I lived, moved to Toronto, people were like, you're not from here. Cause I was a grocery store in the basement of, or in the main level of my condo. And I'd be like, hi, how are you? Like to the people there. And they're like, nobody does that here. <laughs> yeah. So it is really nice that it's a very friendly, friendly, friendly city. So it's nice to hear that, that other people feel that way too. Oh, absolutely. Edmonton has become home. So <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. And you're making guess, it at home for many other youth. You're impacting their ability to, you know, make it yeah. a safe place too. So that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for me, all my family's still back in Ontario. Mm. Um, so, and I'm the oldest. So I do find it difficult to be so far away from my younger sister. Um, but if there's a way that I can still give back to this city that has been so good to me, um, absolutely, I'm on board with that. And, and to be able to give back and help the youth in our community, that's been very rewarding. Cool. It's cool. We're, we love that, obviously. One of the things that we ask our guests each time is our main group. It's kind of the spinoff of the the how the podcast started is called legacy egg. So kind of the idea there is it's a group of us who are trying to make an impact in the city now versus waiting until whenever. Right. So a little bit, all of the time we're kind of operating as a group versus like individually feeling like oh, I can't really make a difference, but if each of us does a little bit over time, we can make a really huge impact. And so it's kind of about how, how do you want to be remembered? Right. Like how do you want to, your little sister or your, you know, one day if you have kids or grandkids or, you know, when people look at Desiree Conception with the cool name, because um, <laughs> they're going to remember it, you know, well, how do you want them to remember you? Such a big question. <laughs> I think I would just like to be remembered as someone who can just brighten your day. Um, I know everyone is thinking of how you can make a difference in such a such like a grandiose way, but I think it's about the little things that you can do every single day that makes the biggest impact. Even when you're walking along the river valley or shopping at the grocery store or anything like that, you never know what someone is going through in their everyday life. So if I can just show a bit of kindness, then, you know, it's, it's my way to brighten their day without, you know, even really realizing it by just being kind to them. I love that. Well, you have a great smile. So I'm sure that when you smile or acknowledge somebody, it does brighten them up. <laughs> it's probably like one of the hardest <laughs> things with the masks these days. Yeah. You know, we're like, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. I am smiling. I really am. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I love that because it is about the little things. And I think that that's something that we all kind of need to remember too, because sometimes we feel maybe even a little bit guilty. We're like, we're not doing enough because we think that it has to be something big. But if you just focus on, yeah, like, did you make somebody's day just a little bit brighter that day or that moment or, you know, anything like that, it makes, it makes such a difference in their life and, and your life too. And it makes it easier to like, oh, these little things do make a difference. I don't have to do all of these big things. So it makes it much um, easier to, to do. And it just becomes a part of your life, I think. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's like a way of life, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And I love it. 
it's com compounding over time. That's the whole idea, right? So yeah, you you are living it, and we love we love yes, and we love everything that you guys are doing. I think our community is super 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 lucky to have you guys around and taking care of the people who who need it the most and your approach like your trauma-informed approach where you guys are supporting them at every level yet empowering them to kind of like mm -hmm. move on to that next phase of their life um, in a way that meets their goals right I think that's it's crucial because you're setting them up for success every step of the way so Thank you so much for what you do and what Yes does and for taking the time to speak with us today. Well, thank you both for having me on here and just um, allowing us to just increase awareness of what we do. And um, honestly, we're here today because of the community support we have been receiving. So thank you so much for everything. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's, it goes both ways. So it, this is, um, this is the, actually the reason why we created the podcast because we hear these stories and we hear of all these great charities and what they're doing. And we're like, how did I not know about this before? Right. And then we meet them at an event and it's like, well, like more people need to know what these guys are doing because uh, it's pretty incredible. So we well, and uh, how collaborative you all are. Right. I mean, I think that we interviewed a social worker and she mentioned um, yes. And then she also mentioned a couple other that we'd had on since, I mean, yes, we'd heard of, but there was a couple other that we hadn't where she said that it had a really big impact on her youth. So, and then you mentioning iHuman and, and the mustard seed. So it's, you know, the collaboration between everybody is just so important too. And, and I think that sometimes the bigger names get noticed, but sometimes those little, those little, um, non-for-profit kind of get, you know, lost in the shuffle. So it's nice to give them some shout outs as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're grateful um, to have that community support, especially because oftentimes when we do get a surplus of food items, we will utilize what we can. But if there is a surplus of it, 100%, we'll donate it to um, um, other non-for-profits like Bissell Center. Um, and that way they can utilize our resources as well. Yeah, it's awesome. It's wonderful. It is great. It is amazing. And thank you, Desiree Conception, for being with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you both. Have a good day. You too. If you were inspired by our show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen and share with friends. You can always find show notes at loveyegshow.ca. Keep listening.